0: Right ATP Podcast Episode 2. I have here with me today fellow trainer Zach Summers, uh, his company named Transform Fitness. Mm-hmm. He's uh, based out of Cincinnati, works mostly out of Paramount Fitness on the west side of Cincinnati. Welcome, Zach. Hey. I've um, wanted to get you on for a long time. I know we've kind of done some back and forth scheduling, but uh, I'm finally happy to have you here and we'll just get right into it. Uh, now, you're someone that I kind of met in a transitionary period in my career where I was getting away from the engineering side, knowing I wanted to do training and <clears throat> met you at Paramount at the old location and, and you, you struck an interest in me because you were someone who was talking a lot about getting away from traditional barbell movements, getting away from the traditional meathead uh, bodybuilding, powerlifting standpoint of lifting. And it was right around the time I was kind of looking for something else too. Like I, I knew that I wasn't hooked on just doing that and I knew there was more in the sense of training people, training athletes. I hadn't found that direction, but you kind of at the same time I was looking for that, were there with that mentality, and I definitely want to get into that. But maybe let's just backtrack a little bit and let people know where you came from so then they can understand maybe why you have certain points of view.
1: Where I came from, in training.
0: In, in anything, just whatever <laughs> your bio, whatever you think is important to you yeah, and what got you to where you are today, just sum it up as long as quick okay. as you want.
1: Sure. Um, finished high school was not an athlete at the end of high school or by the end of high school. I kind of had faded out of that and was doing some music stuff and everything and went on to decide to join the Marine Corps, really got into fitness there and uh, was training a lot of my buddies, going to the gym every day, running every day, all that stuff. Um, Got out of the Marine Corps, decided to start competing in CrossFit. right. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it sucked me in quite a bit. Um, kind of stopped competing in CrossFit for one reason or another. Um, you care to elaborate on what got you out, what got you in, what versus what got you out? It, it was a slow fade. Um, I still do some CrossFit-type workouts because I think uh, some of the energy system training is beneficial and keeping that mindset of training all things all the time. Mm-hmm but um i got away from the competitive side of it because it just wasn't serving me anymore it okay. wasn't it just wasn't what wasn't what i wanted to do anymore so um and then i started having a couple little things pop up here and there some si joint pain tight ql shoulder stuff all these little things that kind of led me down a path of trying to figure out what it was that's causing all this okay you know?
0: so and you found that a lot of what you were doing in CrossFit was
1: probably at least part of the problem. If it wasn't causing the problem, it was definitely making it worse. Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 And so you said, okay, it faded out on you and you're getting out of CrossFit. So what is the next step in your path there? What kind of was the next thing you sort of were attracted to?
1: Um, I started getting into uh, functional patterns and now the Aguilar runs functional patterns. Been around for a long time and it's still evolving. But I started just sort of sifting through their Instagram, looking at the videos, looking at their website, and trying to understand what he was doing and how I could apply it to my own body.
0: What was the name again before? it just Functional Patterns. Functional Patterns, and Mm -hmm. who who runs that? Naudi Aguilar. Naudi Aguilar. Okay, so
1: everyone check out that
0: Instagram website. But anyway, go back
1: Mm -hmm. ahead. So everything that they do is based off of the gait cycle, walking, running, and throwing. They base all of their training off of optimizing that first. And then once you get that, you can pretty much do any activity safely, relatively speaking, so long as your body has those patterns of motion locked in. Okay. You know what I mean? As a habit almost. Yeah. Um, So I got into that. I started applying that to my clients. At this time, I was a trainer full time. Um, and that's really how I learned how to do it and apply it. It's just mm-hmm. by, well, just by doing it, Yeah, basically. Right. And kind of some things work and some things don't. You throw out what you don't need. You keep what works. A and lot
0: of self-experimentation. A lot of... A ton. A ton of, <laughs> yeah, play, play time. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, with that being said, I would try things out on, on myself first. And um, if something worked, you know, I'd try it on somebody else. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. And then I'll go. Well, why didn't it work for them, but it worked for me? And you just kind of go down this rabbit hole. And sometimes that's beneficial. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's better to just, well, let's just try something else. So right, just depends it on how, it is. how deep, yeah,
0: you yeah. want to go. So I got gotcha. you. So so they base everything off of gait cycle. Is that just because that's they consider that our most natural movement pattern? And so to build off of that would only make sense because that's what we are in essence designed, quote unquote, yeah. to do.
1: Yeah, however you want to look at that, whether it's design or evolution or random chance or whatever. Right. You know, that uh humans are the only animals that I know of that walk and run on two feet the way that we do. Right. As efficiently as we do. And can throw the way that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think chimpanzees can throw to some degree. Yeah. But not nearly with the accuracy that a human can. No.
0: It's interesting too because yeah. they say that that might be a part of our evolution is the development of the throwing arm yeah. and what it took to learn that skill. Just a quick sidebar. but Sure.
1: But maybe, we, like, maybe the ability to take down a larger animal than you could previously by mm-hmm. throwing you know, a spear or what have you. Something
0: from a distance because we weren't capable of that Absolutely. close encounter. Yeah, Yeah. It's interesting to think about that. Yeah, you bring up a good point that no animal really runs or throws the same way we do.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that If you look at that um, Well, if you sort of just think about it if, if you're the only animal on this planet That can do what you do Then why wouldn't you train Then why would you train And prioritize anything else mm. As far as a priority mm-hmm. You know if, if your whole purpose on life Is to walk, run, and throw Biologically speaking just strictly biologically speaking, then it makes sense to me that I would prioritize those three things first Mm -hmm. and once I got that then I can sort of go have fun I got you you know
0: so is that for like let's say for most general fitness clients at least is that typically what you train them for walk run throw or what's kind of your process in there I know everyone's different but just in a in a sense and no okay
1: yeah (laughs) Just like a lot of things. Yes and no. Um, so the first thing I'll do is make sure they're not in pain. So if someone comes to me and they're in pain, figure that out first. Mm -hmm. And typically what I've found is if you do, or you prioritize walk, run, throw, that pain tends to just fade away. Yeah. It depends on the severity and how long they've been in pain though. Um, it could just be as simple as You know teaching the right foot to step forward as the left arm comes forward and vice versa
0: okay so you find a lot of people don't even have that gait cycle anymore they
1: do and they don't there's it's there's a little broken connection there okay and usually i find it in the abdomen somewhere typically yeah um some sort of disconnection and the breathing is off or whatever stress patterns are too high stress hormones are too high um but yeah Usually it's a really simple fix unless they've been in pain for, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Then you got to dig a little deeper.
0: Maybe an underlying issue of something else. and Yes. That's when the referral starts, maybe. No, yes or no. <laughs> maybe not.
1: Yeah. The referral, like pain referral or a referral <laughs> not, to a physical not, therapist? Not
0: pain. Not, not necessarily go get a prescription, but the referral to maybe uh, someone else. Like oh. you said, long-term pain. Like maybe there's something yeah. going on that someone else could take a look at. Now,
1: if it's a new client and they're coming to me and they say, I'm in pain, I'll do everything I can. Um, There haven't been very many clients that I couldn't get out of pain.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I mean, I can count on one hand the amount of people I haven't been able, and I've been a trainer for over seven years. Yeah. I can count on one hand the amount of people that I haven't been able to reduce or eliminate the pain that they're feeling when they come to me—that's good. It's a
0: good success yeah. rate to have,
1: yeah. And well. it's
0: good that you know are figuring things out, know how to. Do you think then that the main, the common cause of pain is a weakness somewhere? Like you said, mostly you find it in the core. You find it.
1: It can be a weakness. It's yeah. one of those yes and no things. Again, for me too. yeah,
0: I, I, yeah. Everything um, is case by case, but it's I kind guess of like, commonality at least.
1: Yeah, and the words, the specific words you use, I don't think are. Extremely important in every case. Mm-hmm. But I do think people get wrapped up in, excuse me, in uh, weak and strong a lot of times when it comes to specific muscles. Right. Um, I think if you're one of those people that have been in pain for a really long time and you go to a physical therapist or somebody that has extensive knowledge of small particular muscles and their their specific attachment points, then mm-hmm. the strength of a small muscle might come into play or the weakness but I think as a trainer you should probably I think as a trainer I like to think about how is every muscle in this chain uh coordinating with every other muscle okay you know instead of like big picture big I try to go big picture yeah um because if I look at everything with a magnifying glass I'm going to be sitting there for way too long Yeah. yeah trying to figure out every little problem
0: something in this group isn't working but i know that this whole group is used in what we're doing so if we use it all that's getting worked along with everything else yeah in a sense Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me and so that that would make sense too that yeah just finding that weakness is doing it by the movement not by the muscle necessarily Hmm. um, would be a better fix and maybe you find that yeah like you said maybe it's not one particular muscle maybe it's just using it and it's all up top and it's figuring out how to fire the right way and it's maybe it's mechanics maybe it's not but it could be a number of different things but I guess and what you're saying don't let me put words in your mouth but that more simplified approach just makes the problem solving even simpler yeah yeah like I said it's a <laughs> yeah. convoluted way of it, it is that, it's but. one
1: way of saying yeah I just I don't like to think of things as weak and strong and I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because it brought me back to that point which is um People get wrapped up in weak and strong, mm-hmm. and I think it's more of a it's more of a uh, is it on or off? Okay. Is it active inactive? Yeah. Is it is your brain talking to that muscle? Is it not talking? Is the is the brain talking to the muscle and then nothing's happening?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's kind of at a deep level that I don't fully understand, but I would like to learn more about. Yeah. But as far as is the brain talking to the muscle? Usually, on the level of a trainer, you can incentivize that muscle to contract if the brain is telling it to and it's just simply not doing it and what i've found is that if the brain is telling the muscle to work through conscious choice of i'm going to put my body in this position you make sure the body is in a specific position you leverage the body with a cable a kettlebell position whatever maybe shifting your weight and that incentivizes that muscle to basically have no other choice but to contract Mm. um And that's kind of more on the level of a trainer, what a trainer can do. Yeah. Anything deeper than that is sort of going down the road of having a PhD. Right, yeah. (laughs) I'm not quite there.
0: I get you. No, but I mean, what what you do plays a big role in a lot of people, and like you said, you can count on the one hand that uh, the amount of times it hasn't worked, so it, it does show that taking that basic approach to it is the solution for a lot of people. So let's say, get back on track, you said pain is the first thing. All right, no pain. What is typically next? Again, again, nothing's typical, yeah. but I guess the process. <laughs> the process yeah. is kind of a typical sense. At yeah.
1: Least. yeah, there is a, there's definitely a typical uh, process. Um, so once you make sure nobody's in pain or they're not in pain, um, then I'll just basically go through some very rudimentary gait cycle exercises that don't take a ton of coordination to perform.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then depending on the client, you can progress them faster or slower depending on their level coming in and everything. So something as simple as like a a cable row with a step back on the opposite leg, mm-hmm. you're working the posterior oblique sling, a step forward and a press on the opposite arm and leg, you're working the anterior oblique sling, just these global movement patterns really simplified to stepping one leg, pressing one arm, right, vice versa. Um, and then if you don't find any asymmetries or if i don't find any asymmetries it means that i'm not making the exercise i'm going to use the word complicated i'm not making the exercise complicated enough okay to see what's really going on I got because you. everybody's got some sort of asymmetry yeah it's just a matter of digging just deep enough to find it um so sometimes that step and that step and press that simple exercise will show you five things and from those five things, you can go, if you've got these five things going on, if your knee's caving in and your ankle's collapsing and your core isn't rotating or it's rotating too far, then there's probably this one thing in your core that isn't working right, probably mm-hmm. your TVA and your breathing. Um, and then you clean that up, and bam, those five things fix themselves. Um, or it could be like an external rotator in the hip. But either way, you do the simple little exercise, and it, it can tell you up to five, ten things that are going on and then you clean them up one at a time or clean all of them up with one move and then you can move on to something more complicated like a kettlebell swing and step. Maybe you can incorporate a lunge into the swing. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can kind of go down that rabbit hole for however long you want. And that's kind of what's fun about being a trainer is that you can find out what your client needs and then you sort of get to be creative as long as you're being Safe, Right. And that's where kind of the fun comes in is being creative and okay. helping them at the same time.
0: So what do, you, what do you do to walk that line between the creative, useful exercise to find your you yeah. know asymmetries, your imbalances yeah. before it becomes the point of almost a circus act type too much, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because you see a lot of it, and I, I, do, I do it myself because I get into stuff. I'm like, oh, this will be cool. And yeah. I do it, and I'm like, what is this really doing besides making me good at this thing, you know?
1: Well, I've actually made that mistake before i made it i made it i'm not going to say too often but i made it for a little while when i first got into functional patterns Mm -hmm. and using those type of movements with my clients and when i say functional patterns i'm just talking about prioritizing the gait cycle yeah um when i first started getting into that i started using things that maybe a little too complex i wasn't efficient enough at giving the instructions yet Mm -hmm. um, and i wasn't good enough at gauging exactly what move to do yet Mm-hmm. And I'm still not where I should be or want to be, but, um, you know, I always want to get better. Right. Uh, that's a better um, one. Yeah. You but, should um, want to
0: get better. If I met a trainer yeah. and said, I'm good enough right now, then I'm like,
1: well, I'm not training with
0: you. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I'm good enough right where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. So I made that mistake for a while of making things a little too complex, maybe just a little too hard, just mm-hmm. a little too complex. And then I realized Like I said, just break it down. And really, I start off with that step and row, that step back row and that step forward and press and just kind of add one little piece every workout. Okay. You know, maybe we'll add a side step and then turn and press. And then if I see something, great. If I don't see anything, we'll try something else. But usually what I find is if I just watch a client walk around the gym, if I I say, oh, can you go grab a 10 pound kettlebell? Mm -hmm. Let's say they need it for their next move. I'll just watch them walk down to the kettlebells and back, and I'll see, oh, they're shifting their weight hmm. to the right foot way too much. Yeah. Their left shoulder's dropping, and then I think, why is that happening? You know, maybe the rib cage is shifted, pelvis is, whatever. Um, so I look for those little things, too. You know, and I think about how many hours a day do they drive, how many hours a day do they sit, you know, right. like most trainers do. What do you do for a job? Are You, you know, do you shovel all day? I'm not going to have you do a bunch of just endless kettlebell swings. Cause right. You, you know what I mean? I'll have you work. Core or prioritize some sort of anterior work, you know? Um, Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I got you there. So just piece by piece, start simple, and then work your way up. And then usually that's probably a good system to keep you from going too far because you're easily able to catch where it's like, okay, that's that's enough for them right now until they're able to do the next step. And then by then, what was too far is no longer too far anymore because their capability increased,
1: in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's like nervous system adapt- adaptation, like like when you take somebody and you first have them do uh, a weighted squat. They can mm-hmm. do 135 pounds, and then within a month they're doing 225. It's like they didn't get 90 pounds stronger, they got 90 pounds more efficient. Yeah. You know, same thing with any movement, really. You're just getting more efficient at first, and and then you can start to make them stronger, more resilient, however you want to look at it.
0: Right. Yeah. So when you when you identify these weaknesses and start attacking them, how much time do you tend to spend on specific things? And again, I, I know nothing's typical, so <laughs> it's hard to answer that in one. But I, but I guess as a philosophy, how how much of it is that this is a problem now, or that sometimes it's you know people just have certain mechanics and positions that that just may be structure, that just may be um, injury related. Maybe if I see something.
1: Structurally, that I just can't fix by getting the glute mead to fire up, yeah. harder or whatever, yeah, um how much do you do
0: before you basically are beating your head against the wall like I like you know this isn't getting fixed, not necessarily or this this isn't improving in a way, or do yeah. you find that even
1: i haven't had too many problems with that, um not being able to fix it um, I mean, I've had challenges um. I think it's. I think it's a matter of global understanding mm. of movement patterns. Um, like I was talking about digging too deep. Yeah. Um, if I if I look at things through the through a magnifying glass too often, um, I actually get lost. Mm. Because then I totally forget about something else that was happening somewhere else. Okay. Um, so if I want to get a closer look I step back and I look at the whole system yeah if I see one thing going on I immediately and physically I take a step back so I can see the whole body and how that one little thing that's moving is affecting the position of the head or the position of the shoulder blade okay because everything has a pull. yeah globally you know if you move your if you move your big toe Something's happening in your left hand. Right. Whether you know it or not, it's happening. fascially underneath the surface. And so... And you can't always see things like that, but the bigger the problem, the easier it is to see. Mm. And, you know, typically people that come for personal training, they're either... They haven't been training, or they've reached a plateau. Mm -hmm. And typically with those people, it's easy... It's... I guess the word's not easy, but you find the things that are wrong that are glaringly wrong Mm -hmm. pretty quick uh, because they're either untrained or they've plateaued and typically when people plateau they've been doing a ton of deadlifts or squats or things like that 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 build asymmetries just by nature of the exercise itself right um and so you find them quick and I go oh do you have do you have a side joint pain on your right side and they go how'd you know that and I was like I just know. You know yeah. No, it's because you're limping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's because you're limping and you don't realize it because you've been limping for... And that's your But right now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so anyways, I totally forgot your question. I just zoned out for a second and started Uh, uh, just,
0: uh <laughs> I'd have to go back and check, actually. No, um, we were just talking about, you know, after you've relieved pain. Oh, that's what it was. It was getting to the point of how do you... Decide whether it's someone's weakness versus maybe a structure thing, or just something that. And, and again, you said you don't really see it much. You don't see many things that you can't fix. Um, that was that was. There's
1: a, definitely the things I can't fix. That's for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, it's I guess just, maybe you
0: haven't seen much that you've tried to fix that you can't <laughs> fix. Maybe there's stuff that you're like, I'm yeah. not even going to attempt that. <laughs> like, um,
1: I don't know how to fix a scoliosis. Yeah. I can tell you that. Right. Um, I don't know how to fix broken bones but okay. <laughs> um, yeah I, I'm not sure so with an approach like that is
0: it you just mostly just work around whatever right and just take it as it is and do what they can with it or how much do you because because okay let's mm. take scoliosis for example I mean the mechanics obviously would would look off you know just to the naked eye on anything That's if they were doing a kind of a hinge movement or whatever I mean, even though that necessarily doesn't play all the way in with the hips, but uh, it, it still structurally doesn't look the same as someone who doesn't have it. And you just take that into consideration, or does that affect any way that you load them in certain senses? Or yeah, it would definitely
1: it would definitely have an effect. Um, thanks for clarifying because yeah, I was kind of I was getting lost in the weeds. So I get you. Um, yes, every situation, every client has a unique. Situation, as you know, mm-hmm. um, and then if there if there's structural issues, I'm trying to think. I've never maybe you haven't had the experience. In that I had a too. client. I had a client with scoliosis um, about three years ago, um, and it was and three years ago was right before I started prioritizing gate cycle stuff mm-hmm. and really diving down that road. So I haven't had the opportunity to train someone with something along those lines okay since i started really learning about this i guess you call it a training methodology yeah um that would be a challenge for sure to because the those gait cycle movements put the body especially when the structure isn't optimal the physical structure mm-hmm. um it puts the body in compromised positions um, and it, you, you can't, um, you can't cheat around the movement. Right. Your body can't. will
0: compensate one way or the other, but it is going to make will, the yeah. movement in a sense happen.
1: Well, it may not compensate. It may in fact, uh, injure.
0: Well, that would, so I would call an a injury a bad compensation versus a good. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. So there's good and bad. Sometimes, you know, like So if you hurt yourself, your body limps at the moment, at the very beginning, it's a good compensation because it's doing it, it stiffens up, protects Mm -hmm. the joint. You know, that's why you limp is because your body's protecting itself from, it can't do the normal movement without re-injuring it. Mm -hmm. Now, over time, that turns into a bad compensation. But something that in the moment would injure you right there is a bad compensation in Mm -hmm. my mind versus a good one where... You know, it just looks a little different. The basic thing I can think of is when you watch people squat and just the differences in squats, and some people are really hinge heavy, some people are really knee-dominant heavy, and they both can look and be structurally safe in a sense, but they're they're different, Mm. you know? And Mm. so maybe even compensation is the right word because we're saying that you're deviating from the normal when what is normal. Mm -hmm. But for lack of a better term, good and bad compensations, I guess.
1: That makes sense. I can see that. A bad, a bad compensation versus because a good compensation can keep you functioning. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe somewhat less than optimally, but still functioning. Right. Yeah. Pain you know, free I, I totally would understand. be a good
0: compensation. That, is, that would be um, the simplest way I could put it.
1: If I was transverse, I imagine I'd have a ton of uh, QL issues, mm-hmm. um, and I would, and and also there's two types of scoliosis, right? There's a uh, there's scoliosis of the bones themselves, mm. and then there's scoliosis where the muscles are pulling the spine in a specific direction so if it was and i don't remember the exact names okay um but if it was the type where the muscles are pulling the spine i would imagine that i would ha- i would have a fighting chance of
0: correcting a little somewhat, bit somewhat
1: yeah 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 um now the former type um it's just the way it is. And yeah. uh, if, if I was training a person like that, I would imagine I would do, I would actually do some uh, anti-extension of the core, anti-flexion, anti-lateral flexion, a mm-hmm. lot of those exercises because you can't, you can't fix the spine at that point. Right. Uh, I, I mean, without Surgery, surgical intervention. Yeah. And, and so the best thing you can do if you don't want to do that, or even after you did that, I suppose, would be to make your core as strong as possible so you can hold your spine and it won't move no matter what happens so I would probably do if that if that were the case I would do a lot of that okay anti-movement type exercises yeah for sure not a ton of rotation with people like that That's probably a recipe for disaster okay I I would think yeah um, especially if you and even if you were the the type of scoliosis, and I wish I could remember the names but if you were the type of scoliosis that's held there by the muscles I wouldn't do, I definitely wouldn't do a bunch of rotation with them until or if I was even ever to somewhat correct that spine. Okay. And I don't even know off the top of my head how I would go about doing that. Yeah. But if if it's muscles, at least you have a fighting chance. Yeah, I get that. Just, so yeah.
0: You might be able to, yeah, mitigate some of the effects. So we'll, we'll go on to rotation then a little bit. How much of that? Do you train besides? I mean, anytime you're training the gate cycle, you're going to train rotation because mm-hmm. it's that opposite push and pull creating the rotation um, in your gait cycle. Now, how much of that do you train specifically outside of just? Let's just go with any any other movements outside of gate cycle. How much do you do any of that with your clients?
1: Like if I'm just, yeah. Do you like do sometimes you all? I'll just do you train rotation like yeah. ball throw For you know, sure. off the hip something like For that? For sure, yeah. Especially if like I wanted if I want to make sure that they're rotating during like a, a step press exercise that I have later on in the workout. Mm-hmm. I'll like start off with a, a rotation just to kind of get that neural connection yeah. of feeling what it feels like to have your rib cage rotate atop your pelvis. And the, and the, the lumbar spine stays pretty rigid. doesn't rotate too much. Right. But then the thoracic spine ro- and the cervical spine obviously rotates a lot. Um, so just having that feeling of having a stable pelvis and the rib cage rotating on top of it okay. and learning what that feels like Yeah, is beneficial and then sometimes people just want stronger obliques or you know they want to be able to see their obliques. You gotta
0: throw them a little bit of spice for what they want. It's like
1: sugar with the medicine.
0: So do you get, so then a good segue into my question about do you get a lot of pushback because to most people at least looking in on the outside I feel like the style that you train, the functional style is actually not as common as you see Mm -hmm in the gyms of what people do with themselves you see a lot of the people just taking the bodybuilding.com workouts or training like power lifters because that's you know got a lot of has a lot of hype behind it. it gets a lot of popularity or crossfit as well versus that functional movement pattern so when you get a client do you get a lot of weird pushback or just a lot of weird questioning on like like what the hell am I doing right now <laughs> man I feel I feel silly like no one like oh. you know that they look and see other people like they're doing all the you know traditional stuff that you see versus yeah. what you're doing do you get a lot of that
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it just depends on the person Mm -hmm. and what expectations they have coming in. A lot of people have an idea in their head of what going to the gym is. Yeah. What it looks like, what it feels like, what the movies showed them. Yeah. What they did in the nineties and in the eighties or whatever. Um, and I sort of come in like a wrecking ball, and you know, dream um, crusher. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. I, I, <laughs> I tend to rain on people's parades. I do apologize, but uh, I just want the best for people, and no. and no. I'll try to. So yeah, if I have someone that's a little resistant, or if I can tell they maybe feel awkward, uncomfortable because mm-hmm. they're the only person in the gym doing this type of exercise, right. And everybody else is doing bicep curls. Well, and, I would call them traditional strength conditioning exercises that have absolute merit. Right. Um, But when everybody else is doing something else, it's just like anything. Why am I different? I don't like this. Yeah. Um, And for some clients, I can simply explain to them why I'm prioritizing this, why I think more people maybe should prioritize this, Mm -hmm. and they come around pretty quickly. Other clients, I sort of have to... Uh, flavor in there Spice in there Some regular like. regular old exercises Yeah, um, That they would That they come into the gym expecting to do mm-hmm. um, And then I'll, I'll Give some sugar with the medicine you know, I'll give them some push-ups to do Or some squats to do so, Something that they expected to do right. And then in between that I'll have them
0: Their, their Instagram exercise
1: <laughs> The booty blast yeah. On the Smith machine uh, Actually I've never had anybody do the booty blasters on the smith machine that's a <laughs> that's yet to happen but but then in between those exercises i'll slowly sprinkle in some rotation mm-hmm. some step and press um and then over time as they get more used to those exercises like, these exercises actually feel good i yeah. actually feel better when i leave the gym when i do these exercises than when i do those yeah because you're giving and them you're but not I, training, You're I, not I don't, abusing. yeah And I definitely don't preach. I try not to preach to people. Yeah. I know I definitely have. I shouldn't say I definitely don't. Uh, I've definitely preached to people in the past, but I've learned um, to do my best to help them to learn whether or not it feels better to them to work out a certain Mm -hmm. way. And then I think, you know, if they figure it out for themselves, they're going to believe it. Yeah, much more than if I just tell them this is what you're supposed to do because this is better for you. They're like, why do I?
0: No, I think I know. think your is a job as a trainer, and I'm finding this in myself, is not so much to tell people what to do, more so to, to help them figure out what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And and again, like unfortunately, like the original stigma of the gym is all the traditional stuff. Again, which is great. I do a lot of that too. I love that Me stuff too. as well. It's fun but not a lot is seen on the movement <clears> and it puts people in an uncomfortable position because it's not normal. Yeah. And, but yet it's probably the most important kind of training we can do. Mm-hmm. And it's, and again, rather than just telling you, well, this is right for you, it's sort of helping them maybe discover that they, like you said, they oftentimes feel like, you know what? I feel really good when I do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I'm getting the most out of. And it's their self-realization, not, not just like, you know, it's almost a the parental stigma of like if you tell the kid to do something they're going to do the exact opposite subconsciously even though we're adults we we don't lose that kind of authority I've got a seven-year-old
1: son and it's the same way yeah I'd much rather figure out a way to get him to learn something on Mm -hmm. his own than to just yell something at him because he's going to be like well I mean I should believe you but I don't know why so maybe I'll just throw that one out yeah if he learns it on his own it's much more likely to stick and a lot quicker Absolutely. So.
0: And that's another great segue, you line them up for me. Um, so do you find, that, like I said, a great example, do you find a lot of overlap in your life, whether it be things you learned in the Marine Corps, whether it be the things you learned in CrossFit, like strategy-wise and um, discipline-wise, as well as being a father, that you see overlap into your philosophy of training?
1: It's so funny they bring that up, because I was just talking about this with my wife yesterday or the day before. And I mentioned it this morning, too. Yeah. It's like synchronicity. I see. Um, it's yeah. weird. It all comes together. It's, what was it? Um, it was, I think it's part of Taoism. I can't remember what it said. Um He who understands the way broadly sees it in all things. So if you understand the how, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the what. Right. It can be anything in your life. Um, the how or the why,
0: or both, or just just out of curiosity.
1: I, I could add why in there. Okay. The why. But mostly the how. Okay. I'd say so. Yeah, if you if you know the how, mm-hmm. or if you know your why, you can overcome any what. I've heard that said before too. Okay. Um. So you know. You can do anything if you have specific motivation behind you. Um,
0: Are there any specific examples, though, that you kind of remember? I know it's off the top of your head, but just anything. It do not have to be specific, even general strategies, but like you said, what you've used in the past, military experience, fatherhood experience, or, or any other experience.
1: I, yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest things I've learned as a trainer is, is understanding people. Mm. Um, And what I mean by that is really, I guess, is understanding myself. As a trainer, you spend, depending on how often you work um, and how many years you do it, you spend entire days talking to people. Mm -hmm. Um, Reflections of yourself. So I say something to you and I, I see, you know, the facial expression, I see a smile or a frown or a positive reaction or whatever. Um, and then that tells me that what I did or said was positive or negative or off the mark, and and in that way, um, you learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think once, I know this is like digging deep. No, go go for it. Go <laughs> once you, out, man. Once you understand, I feel like once you understand yourself as deeply, you know. Well, once you understand yourself more deeply, you can then at least, if not understand someone else, you can empathize with the knowledge that at one point you didn't understand yourself as well as you do now. Mm. Um, and ma- and everyone is on, you know, that spectrum somewhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess understanding people or, or better yet understanding myself and, and then being able to, to empathize, um, and understand other people as well. Yeah, that went way down the rabbit. No, that's, quick.
0: that's perfect. So <laughs> how much of that, in comparison to the traditional outside the programming and all that, how much of your approach to training is just understanding the people versus, versus, Oh, you know, the science, I know this is good for, you know, this spikes your ATP. This is how much muscle response gets on the EKG on this exercise versus just getting to know the people and how to talk to them and interact and let them believe in what they're doing.
1: Well, belief is a huge part of, anything you do yeah um the placebo effect is a real thing mm-hmm. um and uh you definitely need to be able to read people you need to be able to see what kind of day they're having mm. you know well maybe they don't come out and tell you they're having a terrible day but you can obviously tell oh yeah maybe they're bitching about somebody at work this and that and my boss this and you right. go well then I'm not going to have you do this complicated exercise today that I had planned where you got a step, press, lunge, rotate, blah, blah, blah. There's too much going on up top. What we're going to do is chill out. We're going to do a couple exercises that I I've had you do before Mm. that I know you really liked Yeah. and we're going to get you out of here with a good workout. Maybe you didn't get better at rotating today or whatever, whatever priority I might've had, but you leave the gym having a good workout, feeling positive, uh, and feeling better than you did when you came in. Well put. Yeah. Absolutely. Try to help people. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what we do, man.
0: Yeah. So that's a. So so you find it's a it's a big part without making you say specific or anything, but it, it is a big part of what you do is just getting to know the person and building that relationship yeah, and just yeah.
1: And sometimes you have no choice if you want to be a good trainer. Yeah. You have to. Oh yeah. But but more than more than often, it's a pleasure to get to know every one of your clients. Yeah. Um, Cause when it, it comes back to learning more about yourself, mm-hmm. the more you learn about somebody else, it just reflects back onto you or inside of you, I guess I could say. Yeah. And you learn more about yourself that way by learning more about other people. And it's just reciprocity, synchronicity. Yeah, you like that <laughs> word. I guess I do. What does that, what
0: does that <laughs> word mean to you specifically? Without thinking, don't try and make it a dictionary thing, sure. just what it means in your life. Synchronicity. Yeah, because I like that. Drake had his whole consonants thing, which you can listen to on the other one. I really like I that word. I haven't listened to so it yet, but I want to. This is uh,
1: How long your... did you guys go? We went two hours. Dang. Yeah, and
0: then we cut it off, because I know people don't want to listen for, to me for that long. Um, but, uh, yeah, synchronicity in, in your life, your well, words. it's funny,
1: because everybody sort of has moments of synchronicity. Um, if they pay close enough attention. You know, a lot of times I'll talk to people and go, you never believe it. I was just talking about my uncle with my brother. I was talking about my uncle and he called me. My uncle it's so called weird, me. so weird, isn't it? You know, and ma- maybe it's random. Yeah. And maybe it's because things like that almost happen all the time randomly. And when it happens to happen, you, you pay, pay more attention. attention. Yeah. Um, but then oftentimes, but not often, seldomly there are things that occur and you go, this is too weird to, to be... I, I, to be just, chance. I don't know what word to use besides synchronicity.
0: Yeah,
1: um, but things oh, are a great things, word. things are linked up. Okay, that otherwise wouldn't necessarily be. Um, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, yeah, like part of the energy field or something. I, don't I understand know.
0: what you're saying. Like <laughs> I said, that's that's what it means to you. And that yeah. goes. That's a cool way of putting it, like you said. Where it's, sometimes it's just it's too much of a coincidence just to be a coincidence mm-hmm. there's there's something else going on whatever energy whatever hippie whatever, whatever you want to throw to, on it yeah but there's there's some of that out there and it, it it's weird how it manifests in certain places like you said you were talking about the overlap stuff earlier with your wife mm-hmm. and, and brought it up to date yeah. to someone else and now here we are talking about I it know. And it's just yeah
1: and what's cool is most of the trainers I've ever known um, have thought along the same lines yeah of seeing these patterns in in all things you know mm-hmm. um and connecting it's sort of like building those connections between um what you're learning now and what you already know mm. and sort of seeing that sort of seeing the connectedness in all things that you're doing and how every, it's just like uh it's just like in the body if i have you move your knee this way or, or your foot or position your foot this way something changes in your in your elbow on your opposite side or whatever, mm-hmm. the same thing with your life. You know, if you make a change at work that maybe challenges you a bit, maybe you stay an extra hour late, maybe you you put in extra effort at your desk that day. Yeah. When you go home, your home might be a little different because work was a little different for you, and you need to understand that connectedness just like you understand the connectedness in your body, Yeah. which is managing... Like Sean says, spinning all those plates. You got to keep all those plates spinning, man. It's sort of like that, you know. (laughs) You got to keep all those plates spinning. And seeing how spinning one plate affects another plate. Yeah. Maybe it speeds that other plate up. Maybe it slows it down. And then becoming aware of how spinning the one plate affected the other. And that's how you get better is seeing the connectedness in all things and sort of learning how to manage that.
0: That's a great way to put it and it's like that going back more synchronicity uh it's funny that as I started doing this and I am I'm real new in this field and real new in getting to to meet people in this field and talk about it and develop this whole you know training philosophy start podcast whatever this is I don't I don't even really know what's going on yet it's probably going off the rails quicker than I can handle it <laughs> but what's weird to me is kind of what you were saying I don't know if it's just you pay more attention to it and I said this on the last one but ever since I started out with the intent of getting to know more people, whether it be trainers, clients, you know, I realized how many really cool people are already around me and like just getting to talk to them like again, like you, like Drake, like Sean, like, like Shay, like uh, everyone at my work is awesome. My boss is awesome. They're all, they're all great. And then a lot of the clients I train, the, I even the other week was just subbing for someone else and was just started with small talk with their client, you know, just to not make it boring and bridge over the ice. And then we got in this huge conversation. I was like, this guy's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just, I don't know if it's because of the pursuit of that finally kicked me into gear and let me see that or if it is just the the synchronicity of it. I'm not
1: sure what it is It's all
0: coming together. And I've been fortunate to have these opportunities, especially early in my (laughs) career on this, with people in the field, with views like yours um, that are kind of, I think, more important than what we typically see in the training world I mean the stuff we talked about so far today it's none of it's been about oh well, what do you think about this rep range for or (laughs) this amount of load for this intensity no it's not any of that it's we're talking about you know your approach your philosophy why you do it big why and how big picture exactly
1: don't sweat uh, the small stuff
0: yeah and it's it's been really cool and I think that that's a point of Synchronicity I'm realizing in my life. I'm glad you have that word. It gives me a word to put toward it <laughs> along with continents that Drake said something con- you con- were saying Continents consonants He's it, it's the plates. He's talking about okay. I want everything in my life to be moving me in the same direction Whether it be oh, yeah. what I do at home at
1: work in my relationships Whatever No, funny. Else. We, we basically said the same thing. That's why I wanted you to
0: explain it because I was Super curious voice. to see how much overlapped and it, it's yeah. cool to see that
1: And so Um, many trainers think along the same lines. I hope I didn't interrupt you. No, you were fine. And so many trainers think along the same lines. And I wonder if it's something to do with being a trainer for an extended period of time. Yeah. Or maybe it's just the type of person that gets attracted to being a personal trainer. But so many trainers I've met over the years think in this way of, like, connectedness. They, like, see how everything's connected. Okay. And not that only trainers do. So many people Mm -hmm. see this. But it's funny that almost every trainer I've ever met that was really passionate about training and cared about what they did, saw that connectedness.
0: So you see that more often than not? Maybe that means I'm a pessimist because I do see a lot of a lot of trainers, and, and maybe it's because I haven't gotten the time to talk to them, and that's actually <laughs> probably a big reason of it, but that I, I don't see them taking that approach. I see the more textbook, this is what I learned in school, this is what I'm going to do with it, this yeah. is how it is. Approach. Yeah, a
1: lot of people take that approach with the body, yeah. I see that for sure.
0: But you've met a lot of people. Again, I'm early on this career, so I haven't. Like I'm saying, I'm I'm finding out that the people I already know are great. So that's probably what it is. I just haven't taken the chance to talk to the other people. I think
1: a lot of trainers. I think if you're passionate about what you're doing and you enjoy what you do, just the pursuit of understanding. If he knows the way broadly sees it in all things, Mm. you know, if you dedicate yourself to a discipline and you understand that discipline to some deep level then you can apply that understanding to other things um and i just think it's really cool how like i said most most of the trainers i met over the years that were actually passionate about training Mm -hmm. saw this connectedness and maybe not in the body maybe some of them stuck to traditional exercises okay but they were passionate about that and they were passionate about making that work for their clients okay but they were able to see the connectedness in in their life, you know, with the gym, with, with home, with, with all these different things, yeah. how everything sort of has some sort of synchronicity, some sort of rhythm in life, you know, Yeah. everything's not black and white or a and B, you know, it flows. And I just think it's cool that so many trainers, I, I just wonder what it is about training. Is it training itself? Is it, is it what type of person becomes a trainer? Is it both?
0: Uh, Yeah, I'd like to think it's probably that training Attracts that type of person The more and more I I feel like Not that people Because people definitely change and grow Throughout their lives But I I definitely think that In a sense yeah you're a little bit A product of your environment You definitely can be But I think anyone who takes the time To really figure themselves out There's definitely predispositions To certain ways you think and feel And Mm -hmm. I think that this field does Attract a lot of the similar types of thinking that you and I have when it comes to
1: that yeah especially the people that stick out the uh first year yeah two. the people that
0: make it out of the the financial crisis of it yeah <laughs> yeah so well, well that's a good another good segue so like with you um you kind of when you You're not about story, to ask me to borrow money are you no no
1: no no, <laughs> I was no. say I can't help you there, um, I'm broke as a joke
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so with you In your background you kind of missed the whole the first you had gotten into training people Mm -hmm. what was what was that like for you the the fresh start what was your experience just out of curiosity
1: i had a couple of starts actually as a trainer um so when i was competing in crossfit i was coaching the classes at the crossfit gym Mm -hmm. um i would do three four five a day they're each an hour long um and then i would have personal training clients in between there and at the time, most of those clients were wanting to get better at CrossFit yeah, or doing intro classes or they, maybe they were aesthetic, you know. Um, and that was sort of like one big phase of my personal training was while I was doing CrossFit. Um, it was what I was wrapped up in. And so it was what I was giving to clients, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't... I didn't necessarily. I guess at the time I did believe that CrossFit was the end all be all at the time. Okay. But I just didn't I just didn't understand. Yeah. Um and not that there's anything inherently wrong with CrossFit, but it has its ups and downs. Right. Um we'll, we'll leave it at that for now yeah, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Cuz it definitely has benefit for a lot of people and, Yeah. um physical therapists included. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so I was giving back to my clients what I was getting from CrossFit. You know, I was like a 21-15-9 push-ups and squats or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of like the first evolution of my personal training outside of the Marine Corps. Because when I was in the Marine Corps training, I was working out with my buddies. I was okay. just basically being like, you should do this weight. You should do this many sets. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't really training them. You're giving advice, them. but... Right. Yeah. And so competing in CrossFit, I was just giving that back to clients at the time. Um then I actually worked uh, demolition for a guy for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, five days a week, uh, demoing kitchens and bathrooms, um, swinging a sledgehammer. It's functional training, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, the CrossFit paid off a little bit. Yeah. Um, I had the fitness to work. Um, so I did that to kind of make ends meet, whatever, transition through life. And I kind of get set up again over here on the west side mm-hmm. um, and then I started training at um, started training at a small gym that had a bunch of members and it was, it wasn't a personal training based gym, it was just a general membership type gym um, and and that's where I really rededicated all my time to personal training left the kitchens and bathrooms in the past yeah, and, so there's going to be and my and full was,
0: time this is what I'm going to do yeah,
1: and then with that because um, that year of doing the manual labor I sort of experimented with some training and sort of had aches and pains and through those aches and pains I learned more about you know what different exercises help this and that and the other thing and Mm -hmm. that's when I really started applying the it's almost a physical therapy mindset to personal training okay that's when it first started for me yeah as far as thinking about things a, a little outside of this exercise works Biceps, this exercise works back. Yeah. You know, and thinking globally what these things are doing. That was where I really first started thinking about all that. Okay. Um, and, and trying to apply it to clients and figure out what works and what doesn't, just get better at being a trainer in general. Yeah. And then uh, slowly I just, people went with me to another gym. Um, it was time to leave that gym, come to Paramount. And honestly, coming to Paramount was probably one of the best things I ever did. Yeah. Met a ton of cool people. Um, Awesome gym. You know, couldn't ask for much better. Right on. Yeah. It's been pretty, uh, it's been a crazy ride, uh, but I'm happy I'm
0: here. So when I first met you, that was kind of shortly after you had switched your thinking. That's what it makes it sound Uh, like. Not too long. So I... I, Misread your story there.
1: Let me think. It was definitely... Because I met you basically when I when first you came, first to, came Paramount, to Paramount, yeah, which was a little over a year ago, yeah, probably a year and a half, um, and I got sucked up into person or functional patterns, like really diving into that about two years ago. Okay, um, and then
0: because I remember you were all gung ho about like rotation and all that, like yeah, just total anti. Uh, <laughs> parallel stance i've gone i've definitely
1: gone through phases yeah um let's see and then the two years prior to that that was those first two years after i was doing the demo um that was where i i was still thinking in terms of the exercises i knew and the way i knew how to exercise um but then starting to take this global approach, starting to do more research on what, what are physical therapists doing, what are doctors doing, this and that. Mm. And then it was kind of a slow progress that ultimately I think was just destined to lead me to finding, kind of prioritizing Kate's cycle to some degree. Yeah. Depending on the client, depending on the goals, this and that, depending on previous injuries and things. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then about six months before I came to Paramount, started really prioritizing gate cycle with people, made a couple mistakes along the way. <laughs> Nobody got hurt or anything, right. but definitely people got a little frustrated with the complexity of some of the exercises. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then I got to Paramount and had a good time. Right on.
0: That sounds mm-hmm. like a pretty <laughs> decent backstory for you there.
1: <laughs> so
0: with with your clients going back to that and your approach... Let's say, what what do you, how much of it do you tell them about because you're so different than a lot of what they would see going anywhere else, how much do you tell them about that up front when they're coming in for consultations? Do you explain what you do in your approach or just kind of like, or do you more focus on just their goals and just like say like, well, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to do that for you. Maybe here's why, but what what is kind of your approach with that and getting mm-hmm. them started and educated? I definitely
1: don't want to say anything to somebody that's going to make them run out the door right. if they're trying to pay me for training. Right. Because um, I know I can help them, yeah. at least to some degree. You get, you know, along the way of their, whatever their goals are. Um, so I just do my best to listen to the person. Mm-hmm. Think about, would this person be receptive to me, just sort of telling them all about why they should exercise a certain way? yeah. Or should that wait a couple of weeks? Right. Uh, So, you know, typically at first I'll concentrate on what their goals are. Yeah, we can do that. Maybe I'll give them a couple examples that I think they might be familiar with. You know, Mm -hmm. we'll we'll do this exercise. Maybe we'll do this exercise. What do you think about that? And try to get feedback from them as well. Okay. Um, And then sometimes you just got to try something and see if it works. You know, if if I have somebody do some crazy exercise right off the bat and they don't like it, well then... uh, try to figure out why they didn't like it and maybe it's because it didn't feel good to them because they're not good at performing it so then we do some other exercises that feel good yeah build them up to that um but typically i I like to start off pretty simple Mm -hmm. um like a simple cable rotation without your feet even moving you know most people can do that yeah pretty well and you know it doesn't feel too crazy right too outside of the norm so um and just sort of Read the person day by day, exercise by exercise. Mm-hmm. If they're not having a good time, you got to wonder, am, am I am I doing my job as effectively as I could be if you're not having a good time? Because yeah. I need to be able to help you and you need to have a good time. Um, you have to enjoy training or you're not going to come back. right? Um, so you have to be able to have a good time and I have to get you where you need to be and I have to do it in a way that doesn't set you up for injury or pain in the future. Okay. Which a lot of people, I think, they don't overlook it. They just don't think about they it. They don't prioritize maybe, it. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Don't, maybe, maybe they just don't even... I don't know. But I wonder what people are going to feel like in 10 years, mm-hmm. in 20 years, mm-hmm. if they up and stop training with me. Is something that I prioritized in their training going to come back and cause them low back pain one day okay you know yeah uh uh, a degradation of the ligaments in their shoulder one day because of some compression that i caused Mm. in their body so i you know you have to mitigate all those things you got to keep all those right plates spinning yeah so you got to read them keep them injury free now and in the future um and keep them happy and give them what they want. <laughs> so how do
0: you help determine to yourself things that you're doing that you think are beneficial for them in that longevity sense, in that long-term point of view, versus helping them chase performance immediately in the gym, you know? And, and the simplest way, is, uh, uh, simplest way is, you know, talking people down off of doing more weight because they want to do more weight on things. You know, that's a mm. thing people get caught up in is measuring that in-gym performance. Yeah. But But what do you do in a sense to help yourself and help the client realize or measure themselves their progress even though it may not seem like that immediate number of progress we like to see in the gym mm-hmm.
1: I typically just ask them how they feel yeah so do you feel better does this exercise feel more coordinated because it definitely looks more coordinated yeah how do you feel oh I feel way better I feel like I can do it now yeah well there you go you got better do you have
0: a lot of people that um, get wrapped up in the traditional more number or more difficult looking exercise?
1: Um, the only people that I've had get wrapped up in that that actually compl- would actually complain yeah. that they weren't doing traditional strength conditioning exercises were male. Okay, And I think it has to do with a few things. Yeah, One being disagreeable. I think yeah, males are a little more disagreeable on average than females. Mm. And so they're more willing to basically say fuck you. I'm I don't want to do this. Right. They like being right. So Well, yeah. They also don't mind being a little contentious. Yeah. As well. They don't mind the confrontation. Um But then I don't know. Um but I haven't had too many people fight me that hard on it. Okay. Um I think most people I don't want to speak for Speak for anybody, but it seems like people have, in my experience, have found it refreshing to see a personal trainer talk about exercise the way I do. Yeah. As far as prioritizing natural human I movement, bet. walking and running, because I, you know, let's say you know you look down at your Fitbit or whatever you're wearing and it says ten thousand, fifteen, twenty thousand at the end of the day. Well, imagine if you did twenty thousand push-ups wrong. Yeah. What sort of pain you'd be in? Huh? That's right? a good way of putting it. You do that. Over a, over ten years, and what's what you know, what what will be the consequence of that? So yeah. that's one way I kind of tell you, you people give how, people,
0: you show them what the real benefit of this is, yeah. and you show them that that's that that ten thousand again. If you can walk correct all day, what is more important to you, that or adding twenty pounds to your bench press? And I right. bet if people took the time to think about it. And yeah, he also the ego have to side a
1: little bit. Yeah, no, and that's—it's <laughs> it's not just ego too. It's like uh, it's status. Yeah, and it's it's climbing the hierarchy in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's hierarchies everywhere you go, um, and you're somewhere in that hierarchy. Right. And if you climb to the top of one, you're going to scratch and claw to make sure you stay there. Yeah. Because it sucks being at the bottom. Right. For for lots of reasons, that is, I don't understand, but if you talk to a psychologist, I'm sure they could tell you. Yeah. But, so yeah, people fight and claw to stay at the top, and sometimes that means doing a squat when they really feel like they probably shouldn't squat heavy that day, mm-hmm. but, hey. But everyone's watching. Everybody's here, so I guess I gotta prove I'm And still... that meathead, fuck it mentality anyway, like, Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it's unfortunate. I mean, I've been there plenty of times. And yeah. even after finding functional patterns and having this sort of, like, miniature revolution or whatever you want to call it, uh, I still got sucked back in to, to wanting to be as strong as possible, you know, on, on barbell exercises. And I think it's, it's human nature to want to, be, to want to be able to move a ton of weight. Yeah. And I think it's beneficial. Yeah. But I, th- I think at the same time, you need to think about up to a point, what is this doing for me? Mm-hmm. You know, once you can squat five hundred pounds, what is being able to squat six hundred pounds doing for your life? Besides being able to squat six hundred pounds, it keeps everybody clapping. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, as soon as you can't squat six hundred pounds anymore, those people are going to stop clapping, mm-hmm. and you're going to be left with a sore back. Yeah. So you got to think, you know, what do I want? What do I want my body to feel like? Yeah. One day when the lights will inevitably go off. Because they always do. Right. You can't squat 600 pounds for your entire life. No. You know, eventually, eventually your body will fade and the people will stop clapping and whatever. I'm going on a tangent. No, you're fine. I'll stop myself. No, we we
0: can get into that anyway. But before quite that, let's say you have someone pain free, you've been with them for a while, you know them pretty well, you're in that groove. What is your typical training philosophy then? And again, it probably is different for every case, but uh, how much of the traditional weightlifting do you give someone versus just the gait cycle? Or is that is it a thing where, you know, when they're with you, you're working on that because you know they probably do some other stuff on their own. They hit the, the gym muscles on their own because yep. they want to do their curls and they want to have their aesthetic. But when they're with you, it's more the focus of, we're gonna do our movement stuff or how how do you normally play that
1: it all depends on the person like you said and what they're doing outside the gym or outside of our sessions Um, and sometimes I'll tell people hey if you go to the gym this week outside of our training sessions try to hit this move and this move you know I'll just give them one or two to work on that I know they have a pretty good grasp of yeah and that way they can sort of sprinkle that into their own workout just like I mentioned earlier yeah
0: the people that aren't necessarily asking for it but like you said it still has its use in in, mm-hmm. in its own sense yeah
1: and, and sometimes I'll, I'll put those exercises in there you know if I feel like they if I feel like they're sort of getting a little frustrated maybe I go too far down the road of the of the ultra functional I guess you could say yeah like uh, and people just crave that gym every once in a while, and, right? And you know, may, maybe your client had a had an energy drink right before the gym, and they tell you, and you're like, they they can't focus, right? Right? They they need to just move and grunt and groan, and so yeah, I'll give them I'll give them a movement that's safe, mm-hmm. that is still gonna have a positive effect as long as they don't do it, you know, three days a week forever, and right? Um, and then we'll get back to the ultra functional stuff later. So, yeah. Yeah. So I read them basically, read the client.
0: Absolutely, okay, so then how about let's move on to a little bit about your training as in yourself. Ooh. And I've, I've seen a couple of the phases and I know you talked about going through the phases. So I remember, again, when I first met you, it was all you know, anti-traditional parallel stance, Sagittal plane or one plane of movement and I'm walking around with a stick like you're hitting people, <laughs> which was really cool. Uh, and then for a while, I hope I didn't it, hit anybody. It, it looked like you went back to it a little bit. And I saw some, you know, daily max effort stuff and some mm-hmm. traditionalist stuff. And then now I feel like I, we kind of talked about this the other day. you're going back to more just unilateral gate cycle stuff. So what? I don't know. Feel free to touch on that in any way you want. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I just like I said earlier it's easy to get sucked back into those things you know Mm -hmm. i get sucked back in for the same reasons that anyone else does it at all Mm -hmm. it's fun yeah um and it feels good to do 10 more pounds on a squat or a deadlift it absolutely feels good um and sometimes it feels good to grind through a lift you know Mm -hmm. it's a thrill it's a rush um i
0: think people need doesn't have to be a lift but need the, the grind through in a sense it doesn't have to be in the heavy you squat de- you could definitely apply that to your life but but yeah I think that having that and I think that- for a lot
1: of people just coming to the gym and doing anything yeah has an amazing effect on everything they do outside of the gym yeah, yeah it gives them a better self image um, more self esteem they interact better with other people because they have this positive experience about themselves at the gym mm-hmm. um but yeah sometimes I get sucked back in um and even when I do get, even in the past when I have been sucked into like, all right, I'm gonna train just powerlifting, yeah, and it lasts for about eight weeks. Okay. And then I'm like, what am I doing?
0: Do you view it that way as getting sucked in? Do you view it as a, as like this compelling thing, but you, like, like do you view it as the ice cream that you shouldn't eat? It's sort you... of
1: like the red, the lady in the red dress, like, yeah, like curling her finger, like come over here. Yeah. It's you know because it's fun, man, and it's a rush and. And at the end of the day, you know you shouldn't do it for one reason or another in the back of your mind. You know there's something about it you shouldn't be doing. Okay. And for most people, what they know is there's a risk of injury.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know in the back of your mind you shouldn't be doing it, but you do it anyway Um, because of all the other reasons or you want to climb the hierarchy. Maybe you're naturally strong. Yeah. And if you feel really good when people see you move a heavy bar. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you need that in your life to keep moving in a positive direction. You need people around you to see you in this positive, he's strong light. Mm. Um, and if that's what keeps you moving through life in a positive direction, then that's I don't know how long that's gonna last. Maybe
0: more beneficial in the moment. Now. It might
1: break your back, and then no one's gonna care about you anymore. But yeah. Um, well,
0: so here's the thing. Let's say when you when you were all about it. Was your mindset always in the back of your mind like, oh, I don't know if I should do this, or how did you approach Absolutely.
1: that? Absolutely, yep. Okay. And I was losing that battle. Mm-hmm. It's. I think it's just like any sort of internal crisis that you have, any sort of thing where, oh man, I know I shouldn't eat ice cream today, but I really want some ice cream. Yeah. And so you just crush like yeah. half a tub of ice cream, <laughs> you go, and you put chocolate syrup on it, and you put some peanut butter in there and bananas, yeah. and you have a little mouth party on the couch in front of the TV. <laughs> You know you shouldn't be doing it, but you do it anyway. Yeah. Because it feels good. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as you're done, you're like, fuck, why did I do
0: that? Uh, okay, so it's always a regret for you.
1: Um, sometimes it takes a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it takes a few weeks to be like, why am I doing this, man? Everything's sort of aching or like... Plus, I, I think I've always been a relatively coordinated person, which is why I sort of take to these functional patterns movements. Yeah. I learn them very quickly and I think part of that has to do with being shorter as well and sort of being short, you have shorter limbs. Uh, yeah, It yeah. helps you a little bit. I That's know, I know a, lot, about. a lot of taller guys, sometimes they can be uncoordinated huh? to some degree. Um, so I think that gives me, that being short gives Your me a little bit. center
0: of mass is together. I don't more know, together. maybe, yeah.
1: maybe. Um, and so I feel what the connectedness is supposed to feel like. Yeah. And then I start going down that rabbit hole of just trying to put more weight on the bar, whatever, whatever. And then I start to feel that connectedness sort of fade, yeah. and I can literally feel myself doing the side-to-side walk that you see bodybuilders and powerlifters do. Yeah, where in, instead of the rib cage rotating, so instead of creating transverse and frontal plane forces to move sagittally, mm-hmm. um, they're only creating uh, frontal plane forces and sagittal plane forces to move sagittally. Yeah. So they're, they're losing an entire plane of motion typically, which is the transverse plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can feel when that connectedness, that connectedness sort of fades out. Yeah. And it's typically when I get sucked into powerlifting movements, or even back when I was doing a lot of CrossFit, because it's the same movement. It's your knees bend and your hips bend, and then they both straighten. Mm. So both knees bend and then your hips bend, and then both knees straighten and your hips straighten. Whether it's a front squat, a back squat, a deadlift, a push press, it's all the same movement at different angles. Yeah. Um, and so I can feel that connectedness sort of fade out, and I realize it's time to take a step back, and get back to feeling connected in my body, get back to feeling coordinated, get back to the point where running feels good. Yeah. it should. Yeah. Running should feel good. And if it doesn't feel good, I think that's a Then you're pretty- not
0: doing it correctly, or you're sorry
1: no, yeah, yeah absolutely it be, it's because your, your body's not performing it I think it's because your body's not performing it correctly mm-hmm. and it's because um, oh, sorry that's okay um, yeah so if running doesn't feel good here it is that is an I think that's an enormous indicator that there's something going on with your body that's that's preventing running from feeling good whether it's past training history previous injuries, whether it's you're sedentary far too often, mm-hmm. whether it's, you're doing powerlifting movements at too high of an intensity mm-hmm. and the body is forced to adapt to that extreme intensity. And it's like, if you're going to make me do a, a squat or a deadlift this frequently, this heavy, the only way I can adapt to that is by getting really bad at running. Right and prioritizing exactly yeah um but for longevity's sake um and i think also for the sake of your emotional well-being in in some degree which i think is a slightly different conversation because i think the connectedness that i was talking about Mm -hmm. has a huge carryover to uh anxiety and emotional well-being as well um just something i sort of found in myself yeah, when I do these movements and I prioritize them my anxiety fades I sleep better. I have more energy Yeah, and I don't know if it's the lack of the power and the heavy stuff or if it's the movements themselves or both Um, but there's definitely something there. I think for me anyway. Yeah Um, but I'll feel that I'll get back to sort of doing those coordinated movements And all of a sudden I feel better and running feels better again, and I can do stair sprints and I can go for a jog and it doesn't feel like I'm sort of like hoping I don't like tear my plantar fascia while yeah. I'm running. Like, yeah. It doesn't feel like that's gonna happen at all. And so yeah, I no, guess I, the point I'm making is running should feel good. Yeah. If it doesn't feel good, there's definitely something you should be assessing.
0: No, I definitely, I, I saw that in my own experience when I did that, my first powerlifting meet was back in March, and you know, been prepping for that, I was as, well, as weight room strong yeah. I'll put it, I don't know if that translates, you know, as fully strong, but I was as strong in the weight room as I'd ever been. Strong is strong.
1: Yeah. You know, if you can move 500 pounds on a barbell, you're strong, dude.
0: I guess that's, that's true, but without getting into that rabbit hole of what is strong, I was, I was as strong as I could have been in the weight room, especially, uh, as I've ever been. But I noticed, and I I grew up as an athlete, my whole background was being, being and not... Not saying powerlifting is not an athletic endeavor. You're an athlete in your own sense. What different Simmons from the say? Uh,
1: Powerlifting is for athletes that can't play football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too short for football. Maybe,
0: <laughs> but nothing again. It's its own athletic endeavor. Not to say you're not an athlete, but I, in the, I grew up a runner. Then everything mm-hmm. I did in every sport I did involved some kind of running, mm-hmm. and so that movement. I can ironed. see
1: that in 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 your movement. Yeah, your, your movement is relatively coordinated. So I've, no, I've held on to no matter that. No, no matter what, what you're, you're doing. Much? Okay, I, you know, and I can definitely see when someone didn't grow up playing sports because most sports, as you're growing up, involve running as a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I if I come in if I see people that didn't do that in adolescence and then they come to the gym, their bodies are totally different than the people yeah. that played sports growing up.
0: I do see that. Maybe I don't realize that that's connected. There are some people I see that are very aware of their body and. And mm-hmm. very connected and there are other people that just have no fucking clue what's going on. And yeah. maybe that
1: the good thing is is that you can always improve that. Yeah. You know? You can always improve your body awareness and the fluidity of your movement with mm-hmm. your training. Or you can make it worse with yeah. your training. As but see, well.
0: that's what I was my point being was although I was the strongest, I did notice that I sacrificed a lot of what I consider athleticism, but a lot of my movement pattern ability I, and that wasn't like I was walking like a powerlifter. I didn't know how to move, but I wasn't as good at some of the other movement stuff I had typically been good at. Um, you know, I my running wasn't as good. I wasn't as fast, although you would think, I'm moving more weight. Shouldn't I be more explosive because I'm moving more force? You know, mm-hmm. isn't that the whole traditional aspect of why you do these things? Because you're producing more force, so you can right. produce more force when you run. But I didn't have that movement pattern, I, I you know. The other things felt off, you know. Just not that walking didn't feel good, but just yeah, that athletic movement, throwing a ball, things like that didn't feel as good. And I noticed I sacrificed some of that, and and now I'm again I'm considering doing another meet because I need to compete at something, and I'm gonna drive myself crazy if I don't. But I've been trying to find that approach that doing what can prep me enough for powerlifting without losing that this time is kind of I'm trying to find that I don't that think balance. it
1: takes I don't think it takes that much training to to maintain or even get just a little bit stronger. No. I don't think it takes that much specific training on the on the lifts themselves, yeah. really. And
0: I, that's what I found more as I've backed off on this cycle. I'm probably doing in a traditional powerlifting sense less than 25% of the volume mm-hmm. that I did to prepare for the last meet and I've already broken all my PRs. There you go. And I, but, but all Less my other more. training has nothing to do with what you would think, what traditional powerlifting programming is, and it's been more on movement, it's been more on gait cycle, it's been more on uh, different things that we do. So I, I'll just disclaim it by the approach that I take, approach that our facility takes, I train at is not just gait cycle, but we do, we call it the four pillars of human movement. It's locomotion, which is running, which is gait cycle. Uh, Level changes so your squat your hinging your patterns to get down up, but even not just the bilateral ones But just other level changes push and pull because we do that with our arms especially and then rotation It's all this connected and it's all built off each other, but uh, But I've been doing more of hitting those movements. I've been trying to get better at my locomotion or at my level change And again not just the squat not just the one plane level change, Mm -hmm. but just getting down and up (laughs) in different positions and all of that and it's, like I said, I've, my PRs have been through the roof and it's, it's just weird that when you go away from it like that, that that becomes, I wonder if I am being stronger in the sense of just everything or the term that you used, I liked the other week was more resilient at things. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm trying to find that line between, like you said, my body's saying, oh, I've got to adapt to do this movement versus this other one. So it doing the squat versus being able to run and so far running's felt good I never really liked running but it doesn't hurt me
1: yeah <laughs> I'll put it at that yeah like jogging 50 meters shouldn't shouldn't no. hurt no you know it should feel like you can get from point A to point B yeah and you're gonna feel good when you get to point B <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know
0: but just to, so that going back to my original point of I did definitely notice what you were saying is that your body will make sacrifices to get good at yeah. the one thing and and i guess where i'm going with this is like back to in your training in yourself how much of that do you use any bilateral uh barbell work or not even just that anymore the traditional or are you solely focusing on your just your movement patterns
1: no i definitely do both uh like i said i'll do you know maybe like a safety bar squat or I'll, maybe i'll do some rdls or maybe i'll bust out the sandbag and hit some squats and i think that's probably another conversation to have is like the implementation of strongman movements for personal training mm-hmm. clients as opposed to barbell movements yeah and the effectiveness you know like the benefit versus risk oh and yeah so um but sometimes i'll do like a strong some strongman stuff for general full body strength yeah you know and and like you said resiliency yeah um so you know like the other day i did farmers carries um so i did i did box jumps and farmers carries Mm -hmm. um and then a week ago i did some sandbag squats and like in a bear hug yeah Did sets of five sandbag squats like these different things where you can load up your entire body and it's definitely a position the body can do yeah and is probably somewhere in the evolutionary chain of of human anatomy was part of our function yeah now was to squat absolutely was, was to bend down and pick things up yeah. and even heavy things um so yeah don't get me wrong there's i think there's enormous benefit from picking up heavy things and moving heavy things it's just it's a matter of what are you picking up how big is it relative to how much it weighs mm-hmm. you know a, barbell, a barbell's diameter is a couple of inches, and, right. and you can load it up hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It's like it's well
0: balanced. Yeah, it's all, all these thing, things, which is what you almost never see in life. Um, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. How often do you pick something up you can fit in the palm of your hand that weighs five hundred pounds? Right. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I'll throw, sprinkle that stuff in there, and I'll try to do it as safely as I can. And I'm I'm not uh, completely opposed to to performing a, a weighted squat mm-hmm. uh, once in a while. But I, I just don't want that to be the priority of my training. Yeah. Um, like I said, I get sucked in. I get sucked back in, or I have in the past. I'm gonna try not to in the future. Yeah. Just like I'm, not, I'm gonna try not to eat half a tub of ice cream. Right. But, but you know, sometimes you, you do, and um, so I just try to do, try to keep things as safe as possible while still loading the entire body. Yeah. Um,
0: so what's your ultimate goal right now, mm-hmm. physically? Or to mentally, be, or just... To be
1: perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to feel really good. Okay. And to be strong. And to be able to run my for many years to come. To yeah. be able to run for many years to come.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. How often do you run?
1: Not often enough right now. Um, I'm very busy right now with... Uh, life things to we'll be able to, life to run
0: as long as you can context not saying to be able to run miles and miles but you're saying to have the ability to run or
1: to, to be able to well to physically run right I would run much more often than I do now if I had a little more time okay um, I probably do some form of running twice a week now sometimes it's a it's a very short period of time Maybe I'll run for 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes maybe I'll do 30 minutes of, like, intervals. Yeah. Or I'll do a little faster, a little slower, back and forth. Uh, but it's not a big priority. The, the physical act of, of, or the specific act of running itself is not a huge priority right now for me. But I'll do exercises in the gym that make running better, like kind of mm. what we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. Um, I would love to be able to run more often, but my goal is... Uh, Isn't necessarily to be to be able to move more weight, Mm -hmm. because it's tough to say. But I don't know if that means you're getting stronger, right? Um, But definitely um, to remain strong Mm -hmm. um, physically speaking, and to maintain the ability to be able to run and feel good running for many, many years to come. Okay, yeah, I think that's a good goal. Um That's something I try to implement with my clients, too. yeah, it's kind of the same philosophy. And so I was going to ask you
0: um, when you choose workouts, when we'll just stick with yourself, we won't even get into the clients right now when you choose that, is that always every selection? Is that in the back of your mind? Is that going to help you with that goal? Do you always see the big picture there, or do you also just get lost in the daily well, it's going to help me do this today or anything? um yeah.
1: And I think it's like what we talked about, the connectedness of all things and yeah. seeing what mood are they in? Do they feel like doing this today? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'm talking about with yourself, let's let say or the same <laughs> thing. Do you feel oh, like doing that today?
1: For me? Yeah. Um, like will I come in the gym with a plan to do like uh, functional patterns, but then I do something else?
0: Yeah, or just or more so being on the point of going back to that that goal of being able to run for many years to come and staying strong. When you, when you select your stuff, is that always in the front or back of your mind?
1: I think it's, I don't think for me it's a conscious thought anymore.
0: Okay. It's it's
1: just something that I, it's something that I act out. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I, I was talking um, to Drake about this um, a few weeks ago, which is that You know the things that you believe to be true because you act them out without thinking about it. Mm. Um, And that's sort of how I realized that I believed in this kind of training. Yeah, Is because I started acting it out before I thought of it. I started acting out prioritizing functionality over anything else. Um, And that acting out Made me realize that that's what I believed in. Yeah, was prioritizing uh, functionality. Okay. Yeah, you know, over over. I guess some people would call it. It's not the right word exactly, but some people would say performance. Yeah. But I think you could probably use performance more accurately. In terms of in functionality. In terms of functionality. No, yeah. I agree. But
0: performance in the sense of number chasing, maybe. Ex- yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Measured outputs versus how you feel
1: you, because it's not really easy to measure how someone feels performing an exercise yeah um they can they know how they feel but can they convey it to you it's you, you know you can't pull it up um i don't think we have the technology to pull that up on a computer screen like we no. can measuring your speed on a deadlift or whatever um, right but yeah it I definitely I definitely believe in that and I know I believe it because I started acting it out before I thought about it mm. and then me figuring out me, me thinking about what I was acting out uh, with exercise uh, led me down the path of of sort of figuring out more about the the field of functionality and um, never stop learning about it <laughs> I'll never stop going down that rabbit hole of learning you could say learning how the body works but it's it's almost like it's too it's too simple of a sentence f- to convey exactly what it means yeah um, but learning what the body is doing what is it up to <laughs> because it's up to it's up to something yeah when you're not talking to it it's up to something and if if you listen to what it's if you listen to it Um, you can figure out how to solve your problems because it's trying to tell you something.
0: And I think we'll uh, call it right (laughs) there. I think that's a good uh, thought to leave everyone with. Zach Somers, tell people uh, where they can find you, anything you need to plug or shout out or just leave us with before we uh, part ways. All
1: right, you can go to uh, transformfitnessonline.com. That's my website. Um, I'll be posting daily workouts you can do at home uh, pretty much five days a week on there if you're interested in that um, transform.fit, transform.fitness1 on Instagram and transform fitness on Facebook
0: and there you have it guys go check his pages out um, for me you know adaptive training principles on Instagram and come over to Sensei uh, Functional Fitness to go check out what we're all about over there thanks for tuning in